This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, and welcome to Bodies of Horror. The podcast where we look at all of our favorite horror films from the classic, The Camp, to the cringe, through the lens of disability. My name is Nicole, I'm your host, and I am thrilled to have you here. So, what is on the examination table for this episode? Orphan First Kill, the prequel to 2009's Orphan that was just released on Paramount and in theaters last month in August. I thought I would change things up just a little bit and do an episode on a sequel, prequel, to a film that I have already covered. And what a wild one to start off on. I already covered a lot of the disability-related stuff in the Orphan episode, so this will be a bit lighter in that respect, but there are a couple of things that I will sprinkle in here and there. And to be perfectly honest, y'all, I just wanted to chat about this film because it's so fun. I mentioned in the Orphan episode that I was looking forward to this one and was super intrigued by the approach the director and writers took to everything. I'll give some general info about the film, talk through the main plot points, and give some general thoughts, and then we'll wrap it up by maybe going back to some of the disability elements. So, let's get to it. What is he doing here? We found your daughter. She's alive. Be prepared for changes. We have a child therapist that she'll be working with. Four years is a long time. What she needs right now is our family. Esther? Sweetheart, it's mommy. Welcome home, Esther. We left it just as it was. It's lovely to be back. I miss my family very much. Our goal here is helping Esther acclimate back into life within the family unit. I think something's going on with Esther. Is there anything you want to tell me about your time away? How's that possible? Four years ago, she was still drawing stick figures. Esther's behavior has been so erratic. Hello, Mommy. Thank you, Mommy. I know, Mommy. I did notice some inconsistencies. (laughs) What are you getting at? To me, it felt like a performance. If you're not Esther, who are you? No matter what. That's the story of 
Orphan First Kill is directed by William Brent Bell. He's directed both The Boy and Brahms, The Boy 2, and Last Year's Separation. The screenwriters from the 2009 film are back with story credits, and David Coggeshall joins their team for scriptity. And of course, our real returning MVP is Isabel Furman as Nina. The film was shot during November and December 2020 in Winnipeg. Bell was keen to have Furman back, but needed to make sure it would actually work and without the sole reliance of CGI for de-aging purposes. Makeup effects artist Doug Morrow got to work doing a proof of concept test seeing how the appliances, which are the pieces glued to the face to give a more rounded, youthful appearance, and dentures would work. And then, after that, got the go-ahead to try it on Isabel. It was enough for them to go forward and continue working with Isabel over a period of months to perfect the process and makeup. The makeup and practical effects used to de-age Isabel are absolute key to making the film work, and I've loved learning a little bit about the process via interviews and some behind-the-scenes photos. I'll start breaking down the plot now, and I'll maybe throw in a little bit uh, of those pieces as I go along. Our film kicks off in Estonia, 2007, at Sarn Institute. Nina breaks out of the Institute by murdering some guards and stowing away in a staff person's car. The staff person here is an art therapist that had just started at Sarn and serves as our exposition dump character. The audience has been retold Nina's story to kind of bring her up to speed during her first moments at the new job. We don't learn anything really new here. Lena was born with hypopituitarism, a condition resulting in her small stature and childlike appearance, despite actually being 31, as her development was halted somewhere around the age of 9 or 10. Abused by her father, she left home and became a sex worker to survive. She has more recently developed a bit of a grift by posing as a child and having a family take her in as their child, only to rob them. This elevated to murder with her last family, which is what landed Lena at Sarn. Lena kills the art therapist so she can hide out for a while and plan her next move over dinner and wine. She finds a photo of Esther Albright on a missing children's website and thinks she can reasonably pass as a girl, now four years out from her disappearance. I like that this opening establishes that the audience won't be asked to view Lena as a child, even when she is posing as one. But it isn't something that will work a second time around. You have to assume that anyone watching this has seen Orphan, and they would immediately check out if that were the case. And as wonderful as the makeup work on Furman is, she does look different than she did as an 11-year-old. So this warms us up for that. You'll also note that there is only one other scene, and a very short one, where Lena interacts with someone that would be near Esther's actual age. Because we know we're dealing with an adult now, so we're not going to miss any of those scenes at school or on a playground with her trying to fit in. 
But anyway, back to the movie. We're introduced to the Albright family. Trisha, Alan, and their son Gunnar. They're at Gunnar's fencing match because we're establishing that they are very rich. Gunnar is off to celebrate his win at the match with equally rich friends when Trisha and Alan see Detective Donnan, the detective that has been investigating Esther's disappearance for the past four years. They learn that Esther has been found so they can go pick her up in Moscow. Trisha gets on a private jet to Moscow to be reunited with her daughter, and it goes as smoothly as one could hope. Nina almost blows it when Trisha is showing her pics of the family, and she doesn't catch a dead grandparent in the mix. And I have to wonder if this was almost intentional on Trisha's end, giving where the film turns as just kind of a means to fuck with her. But... Some vodka and wall punching on the plane sets everything right for Lena. They get home and reunite with the rest of the family. And then it is off to the psychologist to make sure there is absolutely nothing wrong with New Esther. Outside of developing an Eastern European accent in four years. Again, Esther almost blows it by not recognizing the doctor's pet bird, but it otherwise goes fine. She listens to the doctor report back to Trisha about the bird snafu, but says that she seems great and surprisingly well-adjusted. And this is the only scene that I referenced earlier where we have Furman acting with a child. There's a kid in the waiting room that oversees her eavesdropping on Trisha and the therapist. So she fakes uh, an attack to get her and Trisha out the door. And I have to say the camera tricks uh, at play here are really, really, really well done. So the next 45 minutes of the film are pretty standard orphan stuff. Lena starts driving a wedge between Trisha and Alan as a means to get closer to Alan. In addition to an accent, she watched a lot of Joy of Painting apparently while on our trip because she and Alan now have a shared common love of painting. Detective Donnan shows up when Trisha and Alan are out because he knows that something isn't adding up with the return of Esther, and he manages to get fingerprints from her bedroom before he leaves. Lena follows him and goes to kill him, only to be interrupted by Trisha, who shoots him multiple times. And here we get our plot twist. Esther Albright was killed by her brother during a fight, and Trisha covered it up and reported her daughter missing so Gunnar could fulfill his rich white male free of consequences destiny. Lena confesses her identity, and Lena is just like, okay, your family sounds complicated, and I'm going to leave you forever now. But Trisha can't have a daughter that's disappeared twice, and Alan is so much happier thinking that Esther has returned home. So Trisha blackmails her to play Esther for an extended run. Lena continues to get closer to Alan, and Trisha says that she can stop thinking that Alan would ever want a freak like her, because remember, now Trisha knows that Lena is actually an adult 
moment. Trisha uses, or Trisha tries to poison Lena by putting pills in her food, but Trisha is an amateur, and Lena gives the food to the mouse in her room, and it dies. Lena uses the dead mouse in Trisha's, in Trisha's protein shake the next morning, and now the gloves are off. The family takes Alan to the train station, no disrespect to public transportation, by the way, but your spouse gets a private jet to Moscow and you're taking Amtrak? And Lena runs away. She ends up stealing the car and goes for a bit of a joyride with Maniac as a soundtrack before she gets pulled over and returned home. This is one of the absolute funniest moments of the film. I was straight up cackling. The police have alerted Alan that his daughter has run away, so he checks in on his way back home, and Trisha says that everything was great. She and Gunner then plan to kill Lena and make it look like an apparent suicide, but Lena kills Gunner with a mix of crossbow and fencing sword, and then has a kitchen fight with Trisha. The house is set on fire, and they take it to the roof. Alan returns home just as the fight has both Lena and Trisha pushing each other over the side of the roof. Alan finds them, and Trisha begins to tell the truth about Lena and falls before she can get everything out. Alan saves Lena, and when she reveals her identity to him, he calls her a monster, and she pushes him off the roof to join Trisha. She gets a pretty cool walking through fire shot as she leaves the house. We see that she's later at the orphanage that the Colemans would adopt her from. And that concludes the story of Lena leading up to the events of Orphan. Now, like I mentioned at the beginning, we don't learn anything really new about Lena's main uh, medical condition but she is repeatedly called a freak, mutant, or a monster by the Albrights, and this is specifically targeted at her disability. Trisha, Trisha's and Gunner's disdain for her is a mix of classism, ableism, and even a bit of xenophobia, because they came over on the Mayflower, and they matter. On the flip side, you have Anna. The art therapist from the opening, that shows real sympathy for Lena when she is told about her disability, but it feels a little weird. Now, hear me out on this. Lena has had a really rough life and experienced horrific abuse, but both this film and its predecessor are clunky at describing the hardship she's experienced as a result of her disability. She's called names and bullied by classmates in the first film, but it has nothing to do with her disability because they don't know anything about it, obviously. We do have Trisha and Gunner with their completely shitty comments, and one of the doctors from Sarn goes more in depth, talking about how painful it must be to only be seen as a child when you're adults, and how her dream in life was to be a wife and a mother, but 
she can't experience those things and attributes them to her disability, which is kind of absolutely not true. Her fertility issues stem from the abuse that she experienced from her father. And the fact that no one would marry her, well, that I don't think really has anything to do with her disability either. But that's kind of the whole thing as well. Lena disguises herself essentially as a child. When she takes off the makeup and takes out the teeth, people very, very clearly see her as an adult. Now, I'm under five foot and small chested with puffy cheeks. And I get it. The infantilization that can come with all of that can be pretty real. But what these films do is kind of make this come off like they want us to feel bad for Lena, mainly for being short and apparently having pretty good skin. Anyways, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. This is a bit of a short one. Like I said, I think we covered a lot of ground in the uh, original episode over Orphan, but I really had a lot of fun with this film. I think it's pretty wild. The performances are great. Really love Chilhia Styles in this movie. What an unexpected treasure she was in this film. Very, very good. And I just, yeah, I feel like this is just a really, really fun movie. Definitely one of my favorites that I've seen this year so far. I know it may sound like I'm coming down hard on it in some areas, but like I've explained before, just because an element of the film doesn't work doesn't necessarily negate anything that does work. And I think we can have these conversations without tossing lots of things aside. And I hope that I laid out a little bit of why Lena as a disabled villain figure kind of rubs me the wrong way in some respects because I don't think we really establish what that is for her in a really, I think, concrete and fundamental way. So, yeah. It has some issues. It's not a perfect film, but I had a blast with it and it's on Paramount now. I think it's still in some theaters, so if you haven't seen it, first off, why did you listen to this? You've been spoiled. That's no fun. But <laughs> if you haven't seen it, please, please, please go check it out. I think you'll really, really, really enjoy it and have a good time. So, yeah. Um, that's you know, kind of all I have to say about Orphan. I do hope that they don't make any more. I, I don't see this... I'm going to not be happy with myself for using this word, but it's kind of a gimmick of bringing back Isabel uh, for the role, and I just don't see where else the story can go. You can't go much further in a timeline one way or the other. She's either dead or an actual child, and I don't know. I just don't think it would work. I think 
story has been told. Can there be another orphan story? I don't know. Be interesting to see, but that's, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see if anyone is kind of bold enough to take up the, uh, kind of the banner here. But again, thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't done so already, please make sure that you have subscribed to the Anatomy of the Scream pod feed wherever you listen to your pods because it's pretty cool. I'm assuming, as always, that if you're here, you have, but I just can't beat that drum loud enough. So if you haven't, if you've been holding out, please don't. Lots of great shows. Uh, White Ladies in Crisis, Alter Tapes, Good For Her, all kinds of new stuff always coming through, so you don't want to miss out. If you want to reach out to me, please feel free to do so. Say hello. Let me know if there's a movie that you would like to see covered on the pod. That's what inspired me to do the original Orphan. So, you know, it it all kind of works out. So yeah, drop a line, say hello, let me know what you're watching. Is there something that you want me to talk about? You can email me at bodiesofhorror at gmail.com. And until next time. Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.